0: The Big Picture, a Christian insight into the world of movies,
1: television and pop culture with magazine editor Ben McKeckin and scriptwriter Mark Hadley, a Bible Society Australia production sharing the light of God's Word into every corner of your world.
0: How do you do? I'm Ben McKeckin. And I'm Russell Matthews. And welcome to episode 89 of The Big Picture for the week beginning December 11. And coming up on today's show, we've all heard of Ned Kelly, but prepare to meet a new Australian screen outlaw
1: vampires versus werewolves versus then where are we going to go with this review of underworld outing we're
0: going to find out very soon and russ yes the time's come rogue one a star wars story plus the star wars top five that's going to make us a lot of money and a star wars expert reveals what's the best movie from the galaxy far far away all of that to come on the show this week gentlemen Russ, very nice to see you again. You're still sitting in for Mark
1: Hadley. It is great to be here once again. I'm always glad when you you guys actually want me to come back every once in a while.
0: Yeah, yeah, we do. And there's also that thing about, you know, Mark being over in in your homeland over in the US. That's right. So, you know, we had to fill a seat somehow. And it's really good that you're here to do that. (laughs) Thanks. And Sam Robinson, always a pleasure never
2: (laughs) a chore. Hello, Sam. I'm
0: glad that you feel that way, Ben. I do, Sam. I do. All right. Well,
3: let's get into some uh, movie stuff. Russ, what's in cinemas?
1: Yep. Coming up in cinemas right now, um, you can never get enough of Mad Max is that a fact yeah I just don't think you can get right. enough of Mad Max and George Miller brings back the rogue from the future for one more run in the desert and he's <laughs> going to do it in black and white it's actually called <laughs> Mac Mad Max Fury <laughs> the Road
0: future, the future's in black and white <laughs> yeah. yeah
1: black and chrome edition so right. that's, that's so that's,
0: the it, Mad, it, Mad Max from last year Mad Max Fury Road is back in a black and white edition yeah
1: it's doing a black and white edition actually it looks interesting I'm really intrigued by what it's going to be How what sort of impact it has is that
3: the from, only difference black I, and white
1: I can Key thing is that's the only difference I think. Couldn't right. you just
3: adjust your TV? <laughs> <Yeah.
1: laughs> Mad like, Monochrome. But, but you don't get to see it in theaters then. And then also <laughs> um, on the other on the other side of things, um, it looks very similar to a film called Horrible Bosses yep. from a few years back. Um, it's an adult comedy called Office. Christmas party. I have seen the trailers for yeah, that. Yeah, another adventure in depravity and bad taste. And that's going to be released. Um, it was actually released last Thursday.
0: Yeah, so it's now showing. It's got like Jason Bateman and Olivia Munn and Jennifer and jennifer And Jennifer Aniston
1: again. Yep. And all yep. of a sudden, yeah, it's doing a whole bunch of things that probably most of our viewers or our listeners would not want to go see. but
3: Now, yeah. I feel like there's uh, slim pickings on the TV this time of year, Ben McKeckin. Can you prove me wrong? No. <laughs> no, no,
0: Sam. McCann. I've got a couple of choices, but yeah, I'm not time to have a go. And talking about Slim Pickens, the yearly with Charlie Pickering. Ah, so no, 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 no. ah, what you did there? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, the yearly yeah. with Charlie Pickering is on ABC uh, this Wednesday, 8:30. It's basically Charlie Pickering, Kitty Flanagan, and Tom Gleason, the kind of co-hosts of this show. Even though it's just called the Weekly with Charlie Pickering, but anyway, it's got all of them on there. They're basically doing a summary of the year that's going to cover everything from Brexit to the nomination of Donald Trump and the Budgie Nine to name but a few. The yearly with Charlie. Pickering, that's happening this Wednesday. And also this week on Netflix, a new Nordic thriller for all fans of Nordic thrillers out there. there, Put up my hand.
1: Yeah. Nordic thrillers I'm, I'm, I'm also, also down maybe.
0: with Nordic thrillers a, f- a thriller series called Nobel is uh, starting from December 13 highly acclaimed drama two stories intertwining about a soldier and a family man who become pawns in a political international game
3: alright now you've got some entertainment news about an upcoming
0: Disney Pixar sequel I threequel. do Sam I do a threequel you're right a Cars threequel. 3 Cars Street. Mm. remember those mm. the days when Pixar didn't really go in for franchises I think Toy Story was probably it but then they just started remaking all of their stuff or adding new additions right. like finding dory for example this year which went very well for mm, them mm. so now they're back again or coming back again that's right show Has us to the do with money baby. show <laughs> us the money at cars one and two did all right so cars three is coming back owen wilson will be the voice of lightning mcqueen again so expect to see cars three racing onto our screen sometime soon in the next few years ka-chow
1: wow and you'd be surprised sam um, I when I saw that Lego was going to be coming out with a movie, mm. I'm going, "Are you kidding? Is that really good?" But it was a great film. <laughs> I'm uh, really glad they didn't go to you for production advice. Like, <laughs> exactly. Nah, don't make really,
0: that movie about bricks. It but, won't go anywhere. Uh, Lego movie won't be a success. Uh, I'm glad uh, they didn't ask you. Ross. They didn't, and
1: that's why they probably didn't come to me for this next one either, yeah. because again, about building bricks. But this would be for those fans of Minecraft. It's going to be Minecraft the movie. Of course, exclamation point. Of course, it's in is. development for 2019. Mm-hmm. The worldwide popular construction. Game which gives players the ability to build out in, in textured cubes in 3D. Um, it's going to be coming along, and we're going to be able to have a live action film. In and I dare say it might smash it like Lego Movie did it exactly. Mm. Well, they're building on something.
0: Uh, uh,
1: moving
3: sorry. on, then. Oh. Moving on. True or false time oh, you've up to got, true or false. You've got a question for us. I know.
1: Well, you know what? It's Christmas is around the corner. Yes. Did you know that? Yeah. Yes. And it you're <laughs> at, true. It is true. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And I'm I know that you're really looking at trying to find something for Mark for Christmas. Oh, how did you know? Yeah, I, I know, know. I, 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 I spent all it's year Just kind looking. of this feeling that, and, and looking at some different gift options, it actually gives us the opportunity of looking at the true and false this week. Okay. And in the world of Star Wars, there's some true, truly strange merchandising kind of going on. Oh, I see what you're doing. And okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so as far as for Christmas ideas, and yes. so when you're looking at uh, looking at the shelf and going, mm, would Mark like this? Yes. Is that his size? Okay. Um, <laughs> which one of these do you think? was really on sale lately. So we okay. were going to look at some options. Are they real merchandising ideas from Star Wars or are they just kind of Russ's okay. idea of merchandising ideas? One, a black Darth Vader toaster that imprints Darth Vader's head on their on the pieces of toast. Okay. That's the first one. The second is a Yoda costume for your dog complete with ears. <laughs> Or the, the third <laughs> one is a popcorn maker in the shape of the Death Star. Wow, this is another
0: one of those multiple choices on the big picture that I
1: really hope all of them are true. Yeah, I know they can't be, though. But,
3: well, we're going to have to find out a little bit later. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, what comes to mind when you think of famous film showdowns? Mm. Uh, Fight Club perhaps, yep. Batman mm. versus Superman, I might be wanting to forget that one. Uh, Kramer versus Kramer. <laughs> uh, well, wow. at Kramer the top of your list of favorite face-offs what well, probably isn't The Vampires and Werewolves Warfare of the Underworld franchise. Nah, People aren't really much. into that. But you know what? The 5th, I repeat, the 5th Underworld uh, installment, Blood Wars has arrived. Woo. So should you sink your teeth <laughs> into this return to ancient feuds and never ending conflicts
4: there has never
5: been a large scale light like in the time
0: there has never been a Marius
5: help me protector. her
4: do I look
1: worried
5: you must go north
1: you will find answers there
2: war has followed you here
1: Marius. I don't know I'm right there with Sam Ben I'm not too sure there's too many people out there craving another Underworld movie did Blood Wars offer something new mm, Short answer no not
0: really no it's amazing it's up to the fifth installment it's it's yeah. one of those movie franchises I think surprise people that it is actually a franchise <laughs> yeah. and it's been going I think the first Underworld movie was back in something like 2003 That's right. that Kate Beckinsale starred as Super Vampire Celine she's back in this one she's missed a couple somewhere in the middle I, I'm, I'm struggling to remember how many Underworld films I've seen maybe three I'm not really sure if you've seen one you've kind of seen them all it sounded like a great premise initially werewolves versus vampires as in how could that go wrong like you've yep. got vampires fighting werewolves how could you make a dud film out of that <laughs> turns out you can do that um, you several, can. several times over yeah, yeah, not just once
1: but five and uh, times. here we
0: are at Blood Wars which like it's it's one of those stories too that's so remarkably convoluted there's a lot going on at once but then as you're in it and then when you're thinking about it later you think well not really much happened there even though there is so much going on so you've got the return of Super vampire. Vampire, Celine, and she somehow uh, hooks up with this vampire prince, David, who's played by Theo James, the guy from the Divergent series. And then they get involved with all these vampire covens where there's this vampire vixen, Samira, played by Lara Pulver. A vampire vixen. A vampire vixen, yeah. <laughs> wow. who's, who's trying to like mastermind this scheme to somehow undo something. And then something else happens. And then there's all this stuff about Celine's daughter. And then the werewolves are lurking in the background and they might be trying to come and fight a blood war. And then something else goes on and they end up in. Well, actually, the only point of difference, guys, is really that they end up in the Arctic or some kind of Arctic region, Celine and David. And there's this. Hippie colony of largely all-white vampires. That's new. Hippie vampires, too.
1: So, vampire vixen, hippie vampires. Yeah. Now, you've got to explain to me, why doesn't this come together? That's right. right. How how can a movie that has a vampire vixen
0: and hippie vampire colonies not work?
1: I don't understand. It just seems like all of the elements that you would need to work.
0: Look, I I just think... it reeks of so it's got a few of these new new ideas but but overall it doesn't really have that reason to exist mm. like what what is the reason me as a viewer I'm sitting there and like I'm being why should I be drawn into this in the first couple of minutes of Underworld Blood Wars it reeks a little bit of a trailer for all the earlier movies this is like previously on Underworld and the Celine character narrates all these flashbacks to all the earlier movies as if to suggest that even if you did like these movies you've probably forgotten about them and for most people out there you don't really care Right. So we're going to bring you up to speed because you would have definitely forgotten what's happened beforehand. And then as the movie goes along from there, it really just comes back to uh, vampires and werewolves are fighting. Like there's no greater uh, meat on the bones than that. Right. And there's a lot of, you know, that, that everything from the dialogue that's really stiff and just ha- is just there to explain things to it being... V- very contrived, very convenient. There's all these convenient things that happen that you mm. can often forgive if you're into a movie, right. but as Underworld goes along, you're just increasingly not. And then, for again, for a movie about vampires taking on werewolves, everything from the special effects, which are kind of lame, to the fact that they use guns and weapons in their fighting like any other movie would do, <laughs> rather than things that could be like a vampire and a werewolf might choose to use. Right. All of that being crowded into one movie makes it come up for me to be just one of those forgettable franchise films that I just come out still scratching my head about why did you bother? Hmm.
3: Now, this uh, war between vampires, and we've all seen it on screen in, in Underworld, Twilight, all kinds of things. Is, yeah. it, is it at all a reflection of, on something that happens in real life, Ben? <laughs> can, <get laughs> we, can we mine something deeper, as we love
0: to do on the big picture? Exactly. And right. think about how movies and TV you know get us to think about the real stuff of life. What's the Christian perspective? All that kind of thing. Yeah, look, As what I came away <laughs> reflecting on is this war never seems to end between the whales and vampires, as you pointed out, Sam. And even up on screen, they don't seem to be suggesting a reason why they're fighting. They don't even seem to remember why they're fighting. They're oh, just yeah. fighting. That's it. Hmm. That's, that, that's it. I think the same can be true of us. So the deeper lesson, I think, to take from Underworld Blood Wars, there's two. One, don't bother seeing it. It's not very good. But two is... As you think about va- vampires and werewolves having forgotten the reason that they're fighting in the first place, that can remind you of possible situations in your own life that you could be at odds with all kinds of people for all hmm. kinds of reasons that you've probably already forgotten. And my question to you and myself is, what would God make of that? Like, What would God want you to do? What does he want you to do in that situation where you've forgotten why you're at odds and yet you're still at odds? What would God have you do? So, yes, I was able to come out of Underworld Blood Wars (laughs) thinking about something deeper than why is there so much graphic violence in this movie that's unnecessary and why is there this weird all-white hippie vampire (laughs) colony in the Arctic and yet still Blood Wars isn't a good movie?
3: Mm -hmm. All right. Well, there you go. That's Ben's verdict on Underworld Blood Wars, which is now getting its fangs and fur out at a cinema somewhere near you. Mm -hmm. It stars Kate Beckinsale, Theo James and Lara Pulver and is rated MA15 Plus for
1: strong violence, blood and gore. All right. It's gift giving season. Yes. To bring us back. I know you want to know because let's just as a reminder. What is it that you're potentially buying Mark for Christmas? One, is it real? A black... Darth Vader toaster that imprints Darth Vader's head on, the pe- on your piece of toast, <laughs> a Yoda costume for your dog complete with ears, or a popcorn maker in the shape of the Death Star. Are these things real? I want to go with B, because rather than
0: put it on the dog, I just want to see Mark in a Yoda costume <laughs> for a dog. Uh, what do you think, Sam? I'm hoping the, uh,
1: the Death Star popcorn maker. Well, fortunately for you guys, all of them are for <laughs> real. So they all see. are not there. Not They're one. all available on the market. <laughs> so, yes, you too can enjoy this gift-giving season and Star Wars at the same time.
3: <laughs> all right. Well, there you go. Coming up on the big picture, why do Australians love bush rangers so much? And coming soon is a little movie called Rogue One, a Star Wars story. You might have heard it, and we can talk about it so, so very soon.
0: Welcome back to The Big Picture with Ben, Sam, and Russ, filling in for Marky Mark Hadley, who's who's tripping around America right about now. Still to come on the show, guys, Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Also a Star Wars expert will be joining us, and all things Star Wars, we're doing a top five at the end of the show, which I think just quietly... When we list off that top five, it's actually going to make us money. Ooh, Make us Star Wars money. All
3: right. That showed up
1: today. Yeah.
3: Yeah. (laughs) Stay tuned for that. Well, right now, you know, everyone's heard of the bush raging legend of Mr. Ned Kelly. Yep. But what about the legend of Ben Hall, another old school Australian outlaw? Well, Russ is going to soon bring us into uh, his thoughts on the new Australian movie about the relatively unknown bush ranger, called Ben Hall. But before that, for our press record segment this week, Russ spoke with the legend of Ben Hall director, yes, the director of it, Matthew Holmes, about why he brought this story to the big screen and what faith and morality have to do with a bushranger. BUSHRANGER
1: why is it that this is such a passion for you and, and what is it that really helped you to bring this to screen?
2: Well it's actually I've been working on it since two, since 2007 so it's almost a 10 year project for me oh, wow. and the p- film's been in production for two I think the passion for it came from um, a love of Australian history and also a love of westerns and growing up with westerns being a favourite genre of mine uh, and um, I always ha- knew from the age of 13 when I knew I wanted to be a filmmaker I wanted to make a Ned Kelly movie Oh yeah, but okay. of course Ned Kelly uh, a movie has been made several times yeah. and um, so I went exploring and looking for other bushrangers I discovered Ben Hall and I just thought as a character he was fascinating and I thought his story was just epic so it, to me it just begged for a, a movie adaption
1: what do you think is the fascination with the bushranger I mean you know, obviously I come from the United States I'm kind of used to the wild west kind of mentality but now living here in Australia the bushranger has been something that's kind of all pervasive what is it that appeals about the bushranger do you think
2: it's a really good question um, what, is, what it is that we find fascinating um, I think I think they're first of all they're, they're fascinating characters, and usually characters living on the wrong side of the law have great stories, and uh, we're intrigued by those that do that. But also, I think you know, when you look at the origins of Australia being, a, you know, a convict colony, and and um, a lot of people that came over here having sort of a, a feeling of oppression um, uh, against, you know, the, the British and colonial sort of, you know, empire. Uh, I think there was this um, a great um, cultural. Um, push to barrack for the underdog and those that were seen to be standing up against the um you know you know the big you know the the police and the empire and and that's how they viewed bush rangers even though a lot of them were just thieves and robbers there was this sense of you know the of the underdog and i think that's that's a pretty australian cultural thing to, to barrack for the underdog
1: one of the things i really appreciated about the film was your um affinity for accuracy within the history why have you really strived to do that
2: I set out to make the kind of Ben Hall film that I wanted to make and I would want one that was only accurate. It's important to me that because it is a true story that it get told and it'd be true. That way if people watch the film, they're entertained and they're uh, amazed by what they saw, they can discover the story in more detail and realise that what we told them was accurate and wasn't fanciful, it wasn't twisted. We just wanted to present the history as it was in all of its uh, flaws and all of its glory. What I tried to do was actually try to deconstruct the mythology. We bring it back down to the To its roots and and, and make it real again.
1: With the Ned Kelly story, one of the things that you could see, kind of, in his background, there was a faith component to his history, his family. Was there anything within the Benjamin Hall story that was kind of could link be linked back to kind of a faith influence, or was there none at all? Do you think?
2: Oh absolutely, there was faith influence. Ben Hall, from all our accounts, was um, a Christian man, uh, which which is which is one of the fa- fascinating things about Ben Hall as a character, was the dichotomy and this contradiction of Ben Hall, which is um, a, a good man doing bad things, but there was definitely a conscience to him. You could see a decent man in a situation doing indecent things and mm. constantly at war with himself. Ben Hall had very a very strict code with his gang, which is, we do not kill people, and he kept to that. Amazing and uh, and we do know that he was um, he met an Anglican priest on the road once and that priest implored him to give himself up and Ben Hall you know was reported to have to know that what he was doing was wrong and uh, you know had communion there with him on the road so there was um, there was definitely there was a faith side to Ben Hall and I think that's probably one of the reasons why there was this morality to him and this understanding of what was right and what was wrong and the struggle he had within his soul
1: what is it that about this story that you think would really compel them to go see it
2: this is this is the discovery of something new we live in a world where uh, you know we're we're watching endless prequels and franchises and 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 we've seen ned kelly's story done to death but this is something that that's genuinely unique there has never been a feature film on ben hall before right. so this is a chance for people to see something new and embrace something and discover and that's what i think uh, we we offer more than anything Well, we just heard Russ uh, chatting with
3: up-and-coming director Matthew Holmes about his new movie, The Legend of Ben Hall. Now, that Bushranger tale is now showing at cinemas right across this great southern land, and we'll be hoping to strike a chord with audiences who are fascinated by our criminal past. But did it, did it strike a chord with our favourite American, Russ? And what did it reveal to us about our love of the outlaw?
5: I want you to take out a patrol, see where this leads.
3: This may be our last chance.
4: Come to see my son.
0: He doesn't remember who you are, Benjamin.
2: Come on, Ben. Two years we wrote together. Two years, and they couldn't touch us. We ride again, we do so for one purpose:
0: to get enough to skip the country for good. Now I'm up for that. You're the best possible person, Russ, for us to ask <laughs> exactly. about an Australian outlaw movie. Get the American guy. To exactly. talk about Why not? It. But what do you reckon's different with this film, Legend
1: of Ben Hall, from other Bush Ranger tales? I know you've seen a few other ones. Yeah, I've seen a few other ones, and I think that what Ben the Legend of Ben Hall really offers to like Matthew was saying in the interview, is something new, something different. I mean it's still the Bush Ranger story, but it's a different character and also a different gang, so you get a different group of characters. But how also, much new and different can it really be? Like how how, how
0: much different were his bush ranging exploits than say the most famous bush ranger ned kelly
1: well i mean it still brings in a lot of the different components in regards to family um especially h- him kind of leaving behind his son and trying to kind of connect with his son at, at this throughout the film it's one of those key points of kind of drawing together kind of offering that also um it's just uh kind of a throwback i, I felt like i was almost kind of seeing this beautiful this beautiful scenery of a man from snowy river also but also butchcasting cassidy and the sundance kid because they're kind of you know that's not Australian, Russ? I yeah, no, you know that's not that? Australian. Okay, but, just make it clear. But, but just going back to Matthew's comments, you know, looking at the the American West and also sure, this yeah, one. Sure, yeah, he was informed by that, yes. Yeah, yeah, so that it, you kind of can see kind of the relationship and the, the tug of morality actually going between him and his uh, cohorts like John Gilbert and John Dunn who uh, kind of tried to pull him down some of uh, kind of more vicious paths while he was just a bush ranger who just really went out and he stole from others but he didn't necessarily kill others. So there's kind of morality as kind of uh, Matthew was kind of alluding to uh, to his character um, even though it still kind of does present um, the less glamorous side of Bush ranging
0: the less glamorous side Russ uh, is this a bit of a
1: history lesson this movie you think
0: uh, you, you're right as you, as you mentioned in your in your earlier interview with Matthew that he was pushing for historical accuracy and Matthew was very big on that wanted to sort of show as real as he could quote unquote up on screen so is this more like an educational film I should you get the gather the family around go to the cinema on the weekend to see Australia's past represented on screen?
1: I think it's a great question, especially with, if you go through and look at all that Matthew had really did to really make sure that the history was right. And so I think it actually, it took the story down or kind of weighed down the story a little bit because there was no artistic license taken. It was pretty much, here's the straight story of kind of the legend of Ben Hall. Also, the looking at the fact that Ben Hall was kind of, the precursor to the Ned Kellys and other Bush Rangers that we know of and oh, he it. was
0: operating before Ned Kelly was around yeah, that's right yeah he okay. was actually that's before educational.
1: Him. yeah that's educational but I wouldn't probably take the family to this one this one is um, I believe rated M uh, as far as the the rating it that for yeah, violence yeah. Rated it, and it rated M and also there's some um, the brief nudity that actually occurs within the film so I wouldn't necessarily take your small school children to this film but I think for the more mature audiences it's worthwhile engaging with to really kind of understand more about Australian history especially the history of the Bushranger.
3: Now Matthew Holmes, the director, mentions that Australians love bushrangers because they're kind of you know we love the underdog, mm. we love anti-authoritarian figures. Uh, why do you think Russ that we're drawn to our criminal past? Uh, I analyze think, us, Russ. Yeah, <laughs> analyze so analyze
1: Australia. Australia. Yeah. Well, you can really almost take this. I'm mean, even take it further back and actually even kind of even looking at the whole notion of why do we do that in all cultures? We really look and kind of that's lift true, up of all cultures. Oh, I think so. I mean, because even Matthew in the interview was talking about. He brought up like Billy the Kid and some of our others that we kind of hold up in high regard, um, Jesse James, um, the, those in Western history. But also, if you go through a lot of other um, cultures, you see that there is still that one, you know, Robin Hood, even even though he's a fictitious yes. character, is yeah. still one held in high regard. And mm-hmm. so I think because in a way, we all are, it really, even what we can see from a biblical standpoint, we're all outlaws. Um, what do you we, mean? We, we kind of, there's a rebel in all of us. There's a desire to kind of do our own thing, be, take our own path, do the for, things for, that we want our own to do. That. Thing from from what or uh, from, God, from what? Uh, from God, from society, many times. I mean, even kind of running up and kind of doing things that are separate from what, and, and doing what we think may be right, but even though it might be for the wrong reason or the wrong means of be able to do that. So the same with the Bush Ranger.
0: So, so do you mean uh, like a character like Ben Hall or Ned Kelly, for example, do you think in all of us there is a desire? to forge our own path do our own thing whether or not that's in line with society or with God that's right all of us yeah I mean because
1: one of the things he even spoke of there in the interview was the fact that that Ben Hall would have ticked the box saying he was a Christian and so that he really does that be- come
0: through in the film um, he,
1: he said that one of the key things that he said that they took one of the scenes out when they he was actually confronted by a oh, Matt, an Anglican priest yeah. Matthew, Matthew mentioned B- that and you're fully in the film itself him? the only thing you really could see in the film is that he did have a line a, mor- a moral line that he chose not to kill anybody and that's one thing that Ben Hall could be known for they chose not to kill anybody but he still chose to steal from them you know so there's this kind of going through and kind of ticking the box that I'm a Christian I have this moral code but yet I'm still gonna do things kind of my own own way mm-hmm. and I, I think that for for ben hall and also even for the rest of us when we're kind of analyzing a character like this that um we really kind of all kind of sometimes tick the box saying hey, i'm a moral person i'm a good person mm, yes. but yet i still want to kind of do things my own way and um I found that what what, it, what it kind of pointed to for me not not trying to that I'm doing the straight bad on this whole thing but really when you look at um, the whole scenario with Jesus on the cross that uh, interestingly enough that he has two thieves or bush rangers of, of their day it would be up <laughs> up up on the cross with him and really looking at uh, really, a choice being made, and kind of that it's not a matter of what we've done in the past or who we are uh, as much as who we believe in and the two thieves actually kind of took two different paths: one chose to kind of um, reject everything that was Jesus while the other one actually chose to follow him and and he's one that we can see and actually point to as saying we know that he will spend eternity in paradise with Jesus not because of what he did or who he was, even though he was an outlaw and all the things he was deservedly on the cross, even though Jesus was not deservedly there. Yeah. Yes, yes. And so that in the end, really it kind of comes down to an issue of choice that we, yeah, we all tick the box of being the outlaw, but we really can actually spend eternity with God by choosing to follow Jesus.
0: Mm. The Legend of Ben Hall stars Jack Martin, Jamie Coffer, and Joanne Dobbin. It's in cinemas now. It's rated M for violence and brief nudity. And before we continue on with the rest of the show, gentlemen... Quick word that on next week's show, it will be the Eternals edition for 2016. Woo-hoo! The first ever Big Picture Eternal Awards will be announced next week, but there's still time to vote. So go to the thebigpicturewebsite.com, follow the prompts, and you can be part of voting for the Eternals announced next week. All right. Excellent. Looking forward to that next week. But coming up on
3: the show tonight, Star Wars is almost here. Ooh. Rogue One is <laughs> days away. And we're going to be offering some expert advice on the Star Wars universe. A top five Star Wars countdown, which is not a Jedi mind trick. Welcome back to The Big Picture. I'm here. My name's Sam. Here with Ben and Russ, who is sitting in this week for Mark.
0: Right. Mark Mark will be back next week. He will be. But before Mark gets back, and we're now on to soundtrack for this week, gentlemen. And coming up real soon, we're going to have a Star Wars extravaganza, Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Before we get there, though, here's something totally different. Taylor Swift's welcome to New York. And we're playing that this week because that's on the soundtrack of the film Secret Life of Pets. Oh,
1: that's why we're yeah. Oh, see we see did now why we're listening yeah, to it. Animated yeah, animated
0: movie that was out this mm. year. It's on DVD and Blu-ray right now. Russ, you saw it a little bit earlier in the year. What's your very, very, very short review on that movie? The short
1: review is that it didn't really have a lot of original themes. It turned in kind of a hot mess at the end. But <laughs> overall, um, the, the, the film is pretty much, it's a safe Option for parents to be able to kind of take their kids along to. It kind of has that good scratch behind the ears kind of feel to it uh, at the end, as it were. <laughs> but uh, really, as far as a safe choice for entertainment for your family.
0: And it's got Taylor Swift on the soundtrack.
3: Well, I reckon I know what you're going to be doing when the clock strikes 12 midnight on the thurs- this Thursday, the well, December 15th. How do you know that? Because I know everything. You'll be sleeping, but you may also be... <laughs> At the cinema To Mm. see the brand new addition to the Star Wars universe Rogue One A Star Wars story Um, You know It's going to see the return of the Death Star And Darth Vader to new characters and creatures Rogue One still has everyone guessing So What can we expect?
4: Our rebellion is all that remains To push back the Empire You think you might be able to help us?
3: When was the last time you were in contact with your father?
4: What is this? It appears he is critical to the development of a superweapon. If my father built this thing, we need to find him.
2: All right. How many do I need? They are requesting a call sign. It's um, Rogue.
1: Rogue One. I don't know, Ben, I'm, I am actually excited about this. I'm looking forward to it. But what do we really know About Rogue One.
0: Yeah, it's interesting that on this program, Russ, we'd be talking about Rogue One in light of just speculation (laughs) because we haven't seen a preview of this, and usually we're able to see stuff before. Things come out, but when Star Wars movies come out, really, they don't show previews and that. They try to keep a lid on things as much as they can until, as Sam mentioned, midnight on the opening night or morning. Uh, Then it just explodes on the screens everywhere, makes a whole lot of money, Mm. and then people find out what's actually going on. What we know at the moment about Rogue One, a Star Wars story, is still... Pretty slim uh, like I'm not the biggest Star Wars fan going on going on around around the world, but I took a quick look this week online at you know just even fan theories and that kind of thing, and there's not much around no, at not. the moment beyond the basic framework of this story uh for anyone who doesn't know, and I would imagine most people do this is set before the 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 original Star Wars film episode four a new hope it's in the lead up to that. Basically about a young little feisty fighter called Jin Erso, played by Felicity Jones. She's recruited by the Rebel Alliance to steal Death Star plans. Because it turns out her dad, Galen Erso, allegedly has designed it. So somehow that means that she must know what she's doing with it. Like, I don't quite get the link. I don't quite get the link, guys. But... Beyond all that, what we also know is, well, the Death Star returns, for one. And judging by trailers, you know, X-Wing fighters are in there. And a lot of cool stuff from the original Star Wars movies that fans really, really love. But correct me if I'm wrong, gentlemen, we still don't know too much more than what I just described. Is that right? Mm. That's That's right. right. Yeah. (laughs) There's there's a lot of... It'll be coming out on Thursday. It, it, we'll find out that's then. That's
1: right. It's, it's, it's already setting box office records as far as pre-sales. I yeah, saw for this. ticket sales. For ticket sales. Yes. It's pretty amazing. And one of the things that we do get reintroduced to is probably the villain of villains. Darth Vader is back. I mean, how awesome is that.
0: Yeah, yeah, a lot of people are pretty pumped about the return of Darth Vader. And also the voice of Darth Vader, James, James Earl Jones, is back. He's still doing, alive. Do it. Yeah. Wow. yeah. Yes he is, Russ. Yeah, thanks <laughs> for thanks for keeping up with James. Uh, <laughs> yes, he's he's definitely back doing the voice of Darth Vader. I think it's going to be one of the most notable things about Rogue One. Uh, also what's going to be notable about Rogue One is that it sounds a lot like you know, a new hope, which I thought Star Wars: A Force, The Force Awakens last year was a lot like New Hope. This one sounds very similar to it as well. Apart from the director of this, Gareth Edwards, claiming that this is going to be somewhere between a war movie and a bank heist cool. film, if mm. you can imagine that coming huh. on the screen. But look, I think one of the big things people will be talking about is Darth Vader is back. How awesome is that, Russ? Oh, uh, yeah. Look, it's cool. Like he's one of the most He's one of the most, if not the most famous villain In screen history So people are going to love him coming back But I actually think there's a bit of a dark side to the dark side Russ, Mm -hmm. it sounds like a massive Obvious statement, but I think it's there There's a dark side to the dark side We could be so lured in by how cool Darth Vader is He's got a great helmet, great voice Great lightsabers, he's strong, commanding He's not not weak, not a wimp But if you think about the dark side of the Force As is represented in a lot of Star Wars movies What you discover about that is really that the dark side is all about giving in to your selfish ambition. It's all about mm. your own selfish gain. So, how awesome is Darth Vader's return? Pretty awesome. But check yourself on how much you are tempted by the dark side because is it just about selfish gain? Mm. Mm. Now, Rogue One, it might actually be more about
3: the need for hope rather than coming across to the dark side. Are you getting that kind of idea? Yeah, that's,
0: that's true. I'm getting, that, I'm getting that kind of vibe. I've heard mixed reports about how much the Force is going to be involved with Rogue One. Mm-hmm. Uh, early on I was sort of hearing oh there's not gonna be too much of it. But then watching some of the more recent trailers and teasers and behind the scene clips and things, there's been a lot more reference to the force. How exactly that works out with Jin Erso, Felicity Jones character, the lead character in this, I don't really know. We're gonna find out at midnight this this Thursday. But yeah, there's a lot of talk about the need for hope. And interestingly, no, not even interestingly, just as common sense, this is heading towards a new hope. So Mm. Rogue One, this story is like heading straight towards episode four of Star Wars, A New Hope. So, of course, hope is there. And and according to the trailers that we've seen of the various Rebel Alliance fighters that are trying to steal the death Death Star plans, they're banging on about the need for hope. That basically, if you don't have hope, well, what's the point? But an interesting thing about hope is that hope's never a guarantee. Right, like right. It, like it's it, it, huh. hope. If you think deeply about hope, like hope is just that. It's a hope. So right. it may not actually work out the way you want it to go. Now you can get behind the rebel fighters and want them to smash the Death Star again, just like they do. But they should know deep down that really it's just a hope. And reminds me a lot of uh, of some, of teachings that go on through the Bible that talk about hope, and yet have the, have the kind of audacity to claim that hope can be more than just, well, it may or may not work out. Like Later in the Bible, in the New Testament, in a book like Hebrews, it talks about hope being a reality and being proof of something, which I find amazing. Oh, wow. I think yeah. a lot of people, if you think about that deep down, would be very challenged by that, of the fact that hope can be more than just a hope. So... I'm hoping that Rogue One Star Wars story, apart from making a bazillion dollars, apart from getting loads of people to turn up, will get people thinking about hope and where you can find hope and true hope. And is it possible that hope can be real and proof of something? I believe it can. You can find the answers in the pages of God's Word. And Rogue One a Star Wars story, well, we'll just see whether the new
1: hope works out or not. But just quietly, it's going to make a lot of money. A lot of money. Mm-hmm. Yep. Rogue One uh, Star Wars story is set to take over the world from Thursday, December 15th. Yeah. It stars Felicity Jones, Ben Mendelsohn.
0: Australia's own Ben Mendelsohn is in this. Australia Ben Mendelsohn,
1: yep, Mads Michelson and Forrest Whitaker. It hasn't yet been rated, but I have a feeling that it's going to be rated M or potentially PG.
0: Yeah, they might try to push it towards PG, I
3: reckon. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right, well, coming up on The Big Picture, more Star Wars stuff, because an expert in the Star Wars universe Mm -hmm. reveals the best Star Wars movie and also the top five Star Wars characters that need their own film. Welcome back to the show with Ben, Sam, and Russ. All right, well, if you think you're excited about the latest Star Wars film, Rogue One, coming out, you haven't been hanging out with Insights magazine editor Adrian Drayton. That guy is, like, excitement personified. When this guy lives,
1: bleeds Star Wars. (laughs) I've (laughs) seen him carrying
3: around a lightsaber for the last (laughs) month. Uh, Anyway, he's a regular guest reviewer on our show and also our resident Star Wars diehard. So, so as our early Christmas present to
5: Adrian... Uh, For his choice from The Vault this week, we ask him what is his favourite Star Wars movie? My favourite Star Wars movie would have to be The Empire Strikes Back, but I think that's everybody's favourite Star Wars movie, don't you? I think so, mate. I think every single Star Wars, hardcore Star Wars
0: fan in the world would answer Empire Strikes Back. But why, Adrian? Why?
5: Why? Well, the main reason is it was written by Lawrence Kasdan. It wasn't written by George Lucas. Now, I know that's a bit of a slight but he wasn't great at developing characters. So
0: you're saying the creator of Star Wars, George Lucas, is no good at creating his own characters or or
5: developing them across the series? That's correct. And the prequels to the original trilogy bear that out. So you liked what Lawrence Kasdan did? I did like it a lot, and mainly because it kind of broadened out the themes in the story and expanded the universe a little bit. He also wrote The Force Awakens which may many people may not know so he was called upon to write the latest version of Star Wars. Did he also write Raiders of the Lost Ark, Lawrence Kasdan? He did. He, w- he wrote that and Body Heat and Silverado and other, other classics. And The Big Chill I think
0: so he was big back in the 80s when Empire Strikes Back first came out. Okay so you like Lawrence Kasdan and what he
5: did. What did you like about it when you're actually sitting through it? The big reveals. So Darth Vader is Luke's dad. Thanks for. Uh,
0: okay, everybody. So,
5: do we even need spoilers now? Like, people know that, don't yeah, they? 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 They know sure that. Know. Okay, there's that big reveal. And even though this prequel spoiled it to some degree, we find out in The Empire Strikes Back that Luke and Leah are twin brother and sisters, and also Hoth. The best battle ever filmed on film.
0: Now, Adrian, as you may be aware, I'm not the most knowledgeable guy when it comes to Star Wars.
5: Yes, I realise that. You don't have the original trilogy on DVD, which I hope to rectify. Oh, okay. Before we get to that, though, so explain for a guy like me, say, who can't remember Empire Strikes Back that well... Uh, Hoth? Is that that yes. ice planet that the movie yes. starts on? It is indeed the off the ice planet where the rebels faced off against the Empire and the Empire had those amazingly huge four-legged, 8 they call them AT-ATs, they look like big kind of hulking elephants. In my opinion, it was the best battle in that's been filmed in ages, really. And would you go so far as to say that's the best battle in cinema history? Yes, I'm going to go on record as saying that. Also, other things that really make The Empire Strikes Back one of the better movies is... We find out that Han and Leah fall in love. Their jibes and bickering. My favourite jibe throughout the film is um, you, half witted, scruffy looking nerf herder. That's every man's story, isn't it? That's correct, yes. Also, Master Yoda. If it weren't for Frank Oz's, Oz's interpretation of Yoda, he would just be a bit of a muppet. Um, but, you know, he was a really fully formed character. The other thing is that it kind of broadens out the idea behind the Force. There was some brief demonstrations in A New Hope, the first episode 4, but none of that is half as magical as when Yoda actually lifts the X-wing out of the water in Empire Strikes Back and demonstrates that its energy surrounds and binds us. So it's kind of an interesting look at the Force as a big part of the Star Wars universe, so that's what makes the film great.
0: Adrian, our Christmas gift to you is what we just did then. We allowed you on the big picture to bang on about your favourite Star Wars movie. And I'm very glad you picked Empire Strikes Back because that does sound like the correct answer, if I'm understanding correctly, even though I'm a bit of a Star Wars novice.
5: And as my Christmas gift to you, I'll give you the original trilogy on DVD. So you finally have it in your collection and... I can get some self-respect about myself. respect about Star Wars, but I wish you and the big picture a happy Christmas. May the force be with you and also with you. Adrian just could have kept
0: on talking about Empire Strikes Back for I don't know I don't know how long. I had to stop. Like I had just like, mate, I've got to go.
1: Because like, he j- loves, j- well, I just <laughs> have... the whole thing, but uh, Empire Strikes Back is just, oh, is DNA. Good
0: choice. Uh, for more of Adrian's thoughts on the Star Wars universe and on Rogue One Star Wars story when it opens this week, head to insights.uca.org.au because I dare say Adrian will be going mm, a little bit overboard when it comes to coverage of Star Wars this week. <laughs> Speaking of going overboard on Star Wars, is that it possible?
3: Is? I think no, it's not. No, no, it no, you <laughs> can't. Oh, we're waiting for this new film to come out, but it is time for the top five, and I'm going to hand it over to you, Ben.
0: Yeah, this is where we're going to make a little bit of Star Wars money, gentlemen. Oh right, yeah. Hey. This is the finally the, the top fives arrived on the big picture where we're actually going to make some coin for ourselves. Oh, the money if, maker. I know that big producers in Hollywood are listening to the big picture every week, routinely. routinely, And they love the top five. That's right. And so here we are, the top five Star Wars week, Rogue One, Star Wars story, almost at cinemas. Got us a little bit excited about Star Wars universe. So, what else would we do for a top five? But the top five Star Wars characters that have not yet had a movie made about them, but someone really should. Five. Someone really should make a Star Wars movie about the coolest bounty hunter in the universe, Boba Fett. Oh, yeah. Mm. Boba Fett. Now, by my recollections, he showed up, was it first in Return of the Jedi? Well, at least in the the original trilogy, he was in Return of the Jedi. A bit of like a Jabba the Hutt henchman. And isn't his background something to do with being a clone of another famous bounty hunter, and then he was raised as the son of that bounty hunter, Jango Fett, who was killed by Mace Windu, Mm. Samuel L. Jackson's character, and then Boba was out for revenge, but then somehow all these worlds collided in Jabba the Hutt's world to the point where Boba Fett tipped over into, what's that thing called, the Sarlacc? Sarlacc. The Sarlacc. So, could someone make a Boba Fett movie about what happened to Boba after Sarlacc
1: I think it would be worth it. Do you? Oh yeah. What would was... the storyline be? Oh, you know, I, th- I think. Where the... would he emerge? He would somehow he somehow he would have to escape from that because I mean the guy is like has one. Well, of maybe the, the whole movie uniform is uniforms. him
0: trapped inside
1: the Sarlacc <laughs> trying to
0: get that, out like buried uh, yeah, that yeah, movie they, with Ryan yeah, Reynolds yeah, yeah, where he spent right. two hours in a coffin. Maybe it's two hours in the Sarlacc I ho- hopefully not. Hopefully it would be something <laughs> a little bit more action. Well, maybe you went to ground and he emerged somewhere else to say a librarian. That's right. Number Fett that's... the librarian. I think it'd be
1: just drawing people out.
0: Four. I reckon there should be a kind of mashup b- movie in the Star Wars universe where you get a battle of the bands going on. You get the Cantina Band from that's the Star Wars: A New Hope versus mm-hmm. the Max Rebo Band from Return of the Jedi. So the famous cantina band that's got if you go to youtube and type in 10 hours of the cantina band song you will get the looping the spiel of the famous cantina band theme for 10 hours that's that's real so that's a movie there's a 10 hour movie but what i'm pitching is that band versus the max rebo band which also figured in jabba the hutt's lair can they go in a movie where it's a little bit say like pitch perfect or, or what's those uh, step up from the streets kind of movies where you get two crews mm. going at it. Battle wow. of the Bands movie There's from Star no, Wars. So bet...
1: Star Wars musical? Is that what you're really pushing for? Oh, maybe you, I so, am. So Star Wars the musical. Okay, That's a better <laughs> idea than yeah, I was suggesting. Go. I'd love to what see Darth, Darth Vader, that, Vader in his dance, dance routine. routine.
3: I feel like everyone's going to be on Team Cantina Band, like the Max Raybaugh Band, that, that Does scene. Does anybody in... even know who they are? Well,
0: why are you going to be like that, Sam? Maybe it turns out they're, well, I don't know which way that story's going. You just. I can't believe you dampen my idea. Oh, well, no. bring, all it right. to, bring it to the
1: movies. Why? Okay. I still think I, I love the bring idea, idea of a dance work. routine with Darth Vader. <laughs>
0: <laughs> He's on Team Cantina. Band. <laughs> right. Three. Okay, the only characters to appear in all seven Star Wars movies are. This, that's not a trick question. <laughs> oh, that's a rhetorical no, that's question. That's, I'm looking for a so response. I'm thinking robots. You I'm are Correct in robots. Thinking Robots. R2-D2 and C-3PO are the only two characters to appear in all the seven Star Wars movies. Oh, that's interesting. So, yeah. come on, man. Those two guys should get their own movie. So, we should have like a buddy droid movie. <laughs> right. Like, they, 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 an, on an international road trip slash space trip around yeah. the galaxy. But what exactly would they be doing? They're like, Given C-3PO is that, that kind of whiny programmed etiquette protocol droid who's got six million different communication styles mixed up with the feisty little astromech droid R2-D2... Who always needs subtitle for what he's saying because he just talks in blips that at least C3P I can understand.
1: So what would they? What adventures would they get up to, gentlemen? I think it's an extension of the whole Lethal Weapon franchise. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of going down. So yeah. not where <laughs> I expected this to go, Russ. But, good um, cop, bad cop. Okay. You know, kind of the, the crazy R two D two kind of coming out as Mel Gibson. And, wow, yeah, so R two
0: D two is the bad cop in this scenario, <laughs> right? And uh, C3PO yeah. is the little kind of stuffy good cop. Uh, that's
1: right, about, yeah, that's where uh, I'm kind of going.
0: cop, <laughs> so R2-D2 cop movie.
3: Sorry, R two D two as Mel Gibson. I feel like half the film would have R two D two fallen over on his side. <laughs> and Half of the it film
0: would be C three P A Whacking his head on things. Yeah, that's generally what happens. So would it be more of a comedy, or would we should be we be feeling the inner <laughs> pain of robots who are clumsy? Oh, we it, both
1: because because I mean in Lethal Weapon, Mel Gibson always is tortured at some point. So you know you could go through and you have a little electric. Wow, what's what, going what, into R two D two? What do you want to do? I'm dark. I
0: know you're getting really dark. Let's let's pull out. That's number three. What's number two? Two most misunderstood character arguably in movie history. Jar Jar Binks. Oh, wow. I, that's right. I went for you it. Huge. Yes. I went for it. Not at number one,
1: you'll notice. I noticed. But I but went man, for it. That's it. almost dropped the mic, oh, baby. On no, the top five
0: Star Wars movie characters that really deserve deserve Woo!
1: their own deserve movie. Deserve it. Oh. Is it
0: possible, is it possible to redeem Jar Jar Binks? Not just to Star Wars fans, but to other fans out there. There's other movie fans oh. out there. Could we do like an origin story? Of the outcast Gungan on the swamp planet Naboo. Could we find out why he was banished for being clumsy? Could it be like a Wolverine Marvel kind of story... Maybe it turns out he's more super heroic than
1: suggesting. We was suggested. Well, I, mean, I just hope everybody's not turning off the radio at this point. No. They're going, what? Jar Jar Binks? But about, I don't know. What about the story of
3: how Jar Jar Binks found his end? Do you oh, think hey. Might hey. Say that. Found I know his end. We're really dark, going dark this know, week. It's quite <laughs> like, dark. We were just
0: talking about torturing R2-D2, Russ. And now you're talking about the end of Jar Jar Binks when I was actually trying to resurrect Binks' career. Because oh. okay. possibly Binks is misunderstood.
4: <laughs> yeah, I maybe, think maybe, is. So,
0: well, maybe the end of Jar Jar Binks... Could be some sort of house of cards style political examination because remember how remember how jar jar binks ended up in galactic politics so possibly in this movie jar jar is the universe's president and there's an assassination
1: attempt on his life actually that kind of goes to sam's storyline yeah
0: that's right there so you, you get go. torture and you get and you get the end and what? you get what i'm looking for which is jar jar binks back on screen that's right what happened to jar jar
4: <laughs> one
0: ah uh. I was like really tempted to put Jar Jar at number one. That, that that just seemed to, just just mainly so Adrian Drayton could, you know, pick up his radio and like throw it, out, throw <laughs> exactly. it at a wall. How dare you? How dare you? But I would have thought the most, well, is this the most obvious candidate for this? I went with Yoda. I went hmm. with Yoda at number one as the Star Wars character that is deserving of his own movie. In a couple of years, we should mention that actually, I think it's next year, there's a Han Solo standalone film, which is going to be Star Wars Anthology. Han solo so i'm presuming there's oh, cool. like Han, star wars anthology luke skywalker maybe chewbacca mm. might get in there Love as chewbacca.
1: well mm. i consider
0: putting him in at the number 1 spot but but like where can you go with the chewbacca storyline apart from the the the, the, the uh. no- <laughs> apart from that apart will it it'll all be subtitled the yeah, whole would thing have been, then. yeah it would have been worth doing it just so Sam does more Chewbacca impersonations <laughs> everywhere around the world. But I thought Yoda, the pint-sized Jedi Master who turned 900 in Return of the Jedi. but made, So there's a lot of years of Yoda's life yeah, that we can cover know off that. that we can investigate a little bit more. This grand Jedi Master who basically you know, trained everybody in the Jedi arts, in the Force, and does everything from have cool lightsaber battles that we've already seen to I- explain what the Force is about, etc., etc. But could we find a different universe, a different avenue to pursue In the character of Yoda My answer is
1: yes I'm just not sure exactly
0: Where you might go with it
1: I I think you could could do The musical path again And he could could sing It's not easy being green (laughs) I'm
0: just glad You didn't go with torture So my number one choice For a Star Wars character That should be made into a movie Because this would make A bazillion Actually 2.2 bazillion dollars At the box office Is
2: Yoda I can't It's too big Size matters not Look at me me by my size do you hmm
5: hmm and where you should not for my ally is the force and a powerful ally it is
4: life creates it makes it grow <sighs> its energy surrounds us and binds
5: us luminous beings are we not this crude matter you must Feel the force around you, here, between
4: you, me, the tree, the rock, everywhere. Yes, even between the land and the ship.
3: Gentlemen, one day we will tell our grandkids... Listen to episode eighty-nine of the picture back from twenty sixteen. Mm. We were right. We picked it. We, we picked,
0: picked, picked it. it. Oh yeah. Yep, we, we were, were there. Yoda becomes an international superstar alongside the Jar, Jar Bings franchise. <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: right.
3: Well,
0: <laughs> well, it's been fun and talking. The Darth
1: Vader musical.
0: That's right. <laughs> it's
3: been fun talking Star Wars. But next week, well, for the first time in
0: well all time, the big picture will be announcing. The winners of the first ever Eternal Awards. That's right. The Eternals is on The Big Picture next week. There's still time to vote, though. Go to the thebigpicturewebsite.com. Vote now. Getting quick. And we will announce the winners of The Eternals on next week's show when I will remain Ben McKechn.
1: I won't be here, but oh. my name will still be Russell Matthews. Yes,
3: Mark's back next week. And I'll still be Sam Robinson. And we'll catch you next week. Bye-bye.
1: The Big Picture is a Bible Society Australia production. Sharing the light of God's
4: Word into every corner of your world.